Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 169. If you're a guest today, welcome. And please stop by and see us for a moment at the end of this service out here in the foyer at our hospitality room. I want to meet every one of you I possibly can and give you some things to take home with you. Listen to the Word of God very, very carefully. Moving on up from mediocrity is the subject this morning. Listen to the Word of God from the 119th Psalm, verse 169, David Speaks, let me cry, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord. Give me understanding according to thy word. Let my supplications come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. My tongue shall speak of thy word. For all thy commandments are righteousness. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for your salvation, O Lord, that your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it will praise you, and let thy judgment help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. For I do not forget thy commandments. May God bless the reading of his word, and would you be seated. Those of you that know the story of David know that he drifted away from that beautiful days of his young uh, life as a teenager, the giant story, the shepherd stories, the writing of the 23rd Psalm, and then came the horrible affair with Bathsheba which led to the murder of Uriah, the husband of this woman that committed adultery with David. You remember the wheels came off in his life. He did not know what to do. He had plenty of money. He had plenty of power. He had everything going for him. But there was something that he did not have that he forsook. He lost the joy of his salvation, he says in Psalms 51. And he began to go after other things and they became more important to him than his God, and all of a sudden, he finds himself in a catastrophic situation. And today, I want us to pick up his story in this 119th Psalm. Those of us who, for whatever reason, choose to quit following God, become stagnant. When we make a decision in our life that God's word and God's will is not important, if we are a believer even, we become stagnant. We begin to flounder about and spiritual viruses set in and it is not long until our lives begin to deteriorate. You've been watching the Olympics, I assume, many of you. Do you not become very perturbed when you see a gifted, high-performing 
top-of-the-world athlete not give their best? Does it bother you when a team gets, uh, gets kicked out of the Olympics because of cheating? Does it bother you when you find a good athlete that doesn't give their best? Does it bother you when you work with somebody and they don't carry their end of the load? They don't give their best. Does it bother you? And the answer, of course, is yes. It's got to bother you. But what about when you see an average Christian? Just simply mediocre. They go about doing the least they can to give their mind the assurance, oh, when, I'm, when I come to the end, I'm better than most people. So I know that one day I'm going to go to heaven. Jesus had something to say about mediocrity. Uh, he uses the words in Revelation, lukewarm. Third chapter, 15th verse. Here's what he says about a lukewarm bunch of believers. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I would that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, and know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Too many Christians today are thermometers instead of thermostats. You know what the difference is between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer just finds out what the temperature is and tries to get comfortable in it. A thermostat changes the temperature. It is that box you go to and make the turn. We had one in our first auditorium, the little chapel over here. Oh, it worked great. One hooked a thing in the world. But people that were too hot would get up, walk over to the pole, turn the deal, sit down, enjoy the service. Those that were too cold do the opposite. I mean, it worked for about five years. Everybody thought they were keeping everybody comfortable. Wasn't changing a thing in the world. But you know, when you are a believer, you are hooked to the power. When you're a believer, you are hooked to the one that created the heavens and the earth and that this world will give an account to. And when you hook up to him, then you can be, and God wants you to be, a thermostat that you are the one that introduces to a world filled with sin, filled with what's in it for me, they, they all of a sudden are impacted by you as you have gone out to make a difference and rather than the church become like the world, you try to get the world to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, for a lot of people that claim to be Christians, there's a lot of options. Do I go to church on Sunday? When I go to church, do I participate in the worship or is it really not that important? Am I going to pour my heart up to God in prayer? Probably not. Am I going to study the scripture? Probably won't even have a Bible, nor will I read it when I get home. Will I support missions and ministries? What do I care about the children? Do I have a passion to get the gospel to people like those in Ethiopia? And the average Christian would say, no. It's something I enjoy when I do it, but far as priority, there's a lot of things that take priority over what I watch, what I listen to, what I read, where I go, how I spend my time. Lots of things. Oh, if the church needs me every once in a while, or if the Lord wants me to do something, I might do it, but you know, 
I just sort of have such a busy schedule with all of these things that are much more important than the kingdom of God. I just think I'll stay where I am. We can be found guilty of trying to conform God into our image instead of us conforming into his image. We want God to be like we want God to be. Matter of fact, we just use it in our verbiage. <clears throat> you know, we'll just talk about how, uh, God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do that, and we think about how we want God to, well, we'll, we'll use these words. Well, my concept of God is such and such. Could I just assure you your concept of God doesn't mean a thing in the world? This is who God is right here. This is it. And it matters not where your background is or what your IQ is. This is who God is. And you know what he says? He says, I change not. I don't change to your concept. I change not. We go to the events of the world and we adjust to their requirements. We come to church and, man, the demands are unbelievable. You know, where are we going to park? Where am I going to sit? What are we going to do? I was in a meeting this week. I'm, you know, confession, good for the soul. We're talking about Christmas. You know what the discussion was about with some of your top staff people? Do we charge $5 for the Christmas pageant? Okay, now, now the reason for that is that we have no money in the budget for the Christmas pageant. And do we do that or do we look for some ways? To do you know what the discussion was about? Hundreds don't know people pay that much. You know, they'll pay $12 to go to the movie. $25 to go to the ball game. They'll pay for everything under the sun, but just to help get the gospel to lost people that could come free, would they be willing to participate? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. Meals. Wednesday night meals. <clears throat> Can't you just cut those Wednesday night meals from Luby's a dollar? Now, I'll go down to Luby's and pay $12 for that, but I'm not paying $7 at the church, you know. I just think that's entirely too high. We bring Luby's to your doorstep, and you still, you know. I want what's in it for me, you know. And I want Stuart to be through so I can stop by Starbucks and get me some $5 coffee before I get to the house tonight because I hate to cook coffee. I mean, it's really silly, isn't it, folks? And I want it to be silly, but I want to make my point. God should have preeminence in everything that we do. I can't send my kids to camp. Why? Because I have to pay. Have you ever stopped to figure out what it costs to keep your kids at home for a week? <laughs> you let us get them away from the movies and the pizzas and all this driving and all for it. We'll save you money. More than Mattress Mac. Okay? But let me tell you what a perfect church is to a lot of Christians. It's a mild-mannered preacher, mild-mannered preacher, preaching to a mild-mannered audience as to how they can become more mild-mannered. <laughs> now, that's the perfect church for a lot of people. We appear on the outside to be more Christ-like than others, but you know what? If we all individually get in a room, and I include myself in this, if we get ourselves in a room and we look very carefully, we'll find hypocrisy in every single one of us. There's only one perfect, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. There's a chapter in the Bible, and I've just gotten your attention to it. 
that teaches us how to be consistent, not up and down. You know, disaster is just a little bit away. I, I watched that hurdler that had practiced for years for the big race to hit the second hurdle and fall on his face. I watched last night as bicycles piled up going around the curve. They'd practiced for years for that one race, and it all came tumbling down. Going across the world, life is like that. David committed a horrific sin. It tore him up. It tore his family up. It tore everything about him up. It took him years to overcome this because of one thing. That one thing is in the 119th Psalm. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to do what I'm going to do. I've never used this many scriptures in a service, but these scriptures are so clear, my comments on them don't have to be very lengthy. But I want you to go home and look at the 119th Psalm, and I want you to see the consistent theme of the longest chapter in the Bible. That consistent theme is very simple. That is, if a person knows the Word of God and will not only be a knower of the Word, but a doer of the Word, their problems will be minimized. That's what the whole chapter is about. Listen to just a part of it. Verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's the way a young person lives those teenage years. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. In order that as you get older, you will never regret the way you live those. There it is in the scripture. How will a young man cleanse his way? By heeding the word of God. What's the word of God? This is the word of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, is the way young Timothy wrote it, or Paul wrote it to Timothy. Psalm 119, 11. Listen to this. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The point is that when you put yourself into the Word of God, when you take every advantage you can to study God's Word privately and with others, it is, and then you obey that Word. When you know the Word, then you obey your, the Word, then you protect yourself from all the advances that Satan is going to send your way. Even Jesus, how did he protect himself from Satan after his baptism? When Satan came and three times tempted him, God... Jesus gave him the word, the word, the word. And Satan said, I better go talk to somebody else. You seem to know the word. But see, when you don't know the word, how do you think all these cults get started? How do you think these people get started in all this stuff that forsakes Jesus and goes after other stuff? They get away from the word. You check every one of them. They have the inspired and errant infallible word of God, and they got another book. That other book has preeminence over this book. And they take those things and put them together and wonder why things aren't going like they expected them to go. The same Holy Spirit that wrote the book protects us from the one that comes against us. And when sin comes into the life of a child of God, they recognize it for what it is. It is sin. 
That's what it is. Oh, I got a bad attitude. No, you're a sinner. You know? Well, I'm just tempted to do that. I know. I know. It's sin. Well, I know that's not really good. No, it's not really good. It is sin. That's what the Bible says. And when sin comes into the life of a child of God that's, that's living in the Word of God, you know what they'll do? Number one, they'll confess it. Not to the pastor or the priest. They'll confess it to God. And at the same time, they'll repent of it. They will repent of it. Anytime a church tells you, you know, we decept all sinners. They can come join our church. We'll baptize them, do everything. They don't have to change. Listen, except you repent, you're going to perish. Now, it doesn't matter what your denominational level is, uh, label is. You've got to repent. You have to confess your sin and repent of your sin. Or, the Bible says, we'll all likewise perish. Anybody that can sin or, or, or watch others sin and not be affected by it cannot be a child of God. Sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. And, and we can love sinners, but we hate the sin. You don't accept the sin. You don't just say a few words and go on living like you've always lived and say, well, I'm saved. I, I said a little prayer and I signed the card. And I even got baptized. Well, did you repent? What does that mean? That means an about face. That means you're going this way and you turn and you start going that way. When you, when you hate something, you want to avoid it at all costs. God hated sin because sin is what caused Jesus to have to be crucified. And his children ought to hate sin. Now watch this real quick. I got to go fast. Listen to this. We're staying in the same chapter, verse 133. Order my steps in your word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Now David is, 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 is writing this. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I have kept your word. He changed directions. He asked for the joy of his salvation to come back to him in the 51st Psalm. Listen to 101, Psalm 119. I have refrained my feet from every evil way. Why? That I may keep your word. Look at verse 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I might know your testimonies. Ladies, I know, because I've mentioned this in many sermons before, men don't like to ask for directions. Not from their wife, nor from their God. I watch men argue with GPSs all the time. <laughs> and uh, here's what I do know. If you, if you have a map to how to get somewhere and you ignore it, you're going to get lost. And if you have a map that leads you to righteousness and you don't follow the map, like I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus giving instructions. Nobody's going to get to heaven except by me. Oh, that's not politically correct. 
I want you to know God was here before any politician you ever knew or any political party you ever became a part of. All right? You know, I, I, told, I told our Wednesday night crowd, we got all these people up on Mars. We're spending billions of dollars trying to find out where man came to. And we'll give you a free Bible out in the foyer and read Genesis chapter 1. And it won't cost you one thing. And you will learn, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now get that money back here and let's help people, all right? But no, 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 no. We're intellectuals. Intellectuals. We are that, aren't we? We, have, uh, we used to have a telegraph machine. Then we got telephones. Now we got phones where we can go back to writing messages to each other again. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, Thomas Edison must be turning over in his grave, you know. And Alexander Graham Bell, you know. I would have never thought I'd live long enough that you could read your telephone. I mean, I, I just thought you talked on the telephone, if you know what I mean. But of course, Solomon, he, he was smart like David too. Here's what he wrote in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So you may be on a live paved freeway running from God. You may be on a treacherous path, but here's the, here's the problem. Not what kind of road are you on, but where you go, which direction are you going? And let me tell you this. The longer you go in the wrong direction, the longer it takes you to get back. Now, spiritually, for those of you that are not believers, as I'm talking to you right now, you get a shortcut. It's a one-time deal. It's a one-time deal. You can be way out there somewhere. You want to get back into the arms of God? Just simply believe God. Repent and be born again. And just like that, the past is forgiven and you've got a brand new life. But I'm talking to Christians this morning. You've gotten away from God. I used to serve the Lord when I was young. How long has that been since you were young? Well, more years than I want to count. Well, you see the need. Every week you see the need. Can you get back? Well, no, I'm too far. I, I've become a, a taker rather than a giver a long time ago. I quit that and so forth and so on, turn it over to the younger folks. All of those things are there. But let me tell you something. When you get into the Word of God and you start back like the prodigal son, you will find the Father coming out to meet you, pick you up, and bring you safely back in. Psalms 119, verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. A lot of us seem to have just enough religion to make us decent, but not enough to make us dynamic. We're, we're okay. People enjoy living next to us, and we don't disturb them. We don't upset them. But as far as having an impact on our community or whatever, very little. David didn't ask for a set of rules. He just said, I just want to know your word. I just want to know your word. And I want to know you. I want, I want you to come back and speak to me again like you once spoke to me. God wants to build a relationship with you. He wants to build a relationship with me. He's not interested in giving you a bunch of rules to keep. If you walk with God and follow the Lord, you will avoid all of that stuff. Because he will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
God doesn't want to send you a bunch of rules. He wants, you to, he wants to send you himself. Quickly, look again, 119th Psalm, verse 29. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me your law graciously. Verse 38, establish your word unto your servant who is devoted to your fear. Verse 41, let your mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even your salvation, even your salvation according to your word. Verses 47 through 49, and I will delight myself in your commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto your commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in your statutes. Verse 58, I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to your word. Verse 76 through 77, let I pray thee your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word unto thy servant. Let your tender mercies come unto me that I may live for your law is my delight. Thank you for the warning sign. Thank you for telling me the bridge is out. Don't go down that road. <clears throat> that is a road to destruction. But come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The 132nd verse of the 119th Psalm, Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me as you used to do unto those that love your name. Do you see? He notices. I was once walking in favor because I was obedient to your word. Now I'm not, but I know some that are. And I want to come back is what he is saying so clearly. Verse 156, great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to your judgment. Do you notice God's appeal? It's not of arrogance. It is not like a drill sergeant trying to get the troops in line. David appealed to God's graciousness, his compassion, his wisdom, his greatness, his lawfulness, his joy. See, being a Christian involves more than knowing. It's following. Oh, I believe there's a God. I know there's a God. Do you follow him? No, but I know. That's not sufficient. Satan knows there's a God. A fool says in his heart there is no God. When we stand before God as believers, the greatest charge may be to a lot of us, we were unconcerned about the lost. It thrills me what happened in Ethiopia today. I'm grateful that, Sage, my church, you didn't just let them die over there in their sin. You sent a team over there, and 1,800 of them today heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a lot of things we can do here but we are where we are here, and so we can go there. <clears throat> That's what God wants. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? I don't want God to look at any of you and say, you know what? You didn't care. You didn't care one iota where kids had anybody teach them. You did not care what happened to the teenagers. You did not care what happened to the direction of the church. As long as where you can meet some friends, have a place to get married, a place to get buried, a, a place to just kind of enjoy some programs every once in a while, and that's it. And the Lord is saying, but why 
then you get out of the norm and mediocrity and go with me and let me really bless you and show you when you became faithful with your tithe, when you became faithful with your time, when you became faithful with your talents. These precious girls that danced a while ago, they had a passion to do what they did. I have spent a long time talking about the Scripture and the things of God and how God could be glorified. And you go home and read your Bible and you'll see it's all there, all there. Wanting to do something with the, with the gift that God had given to them. Our church, if you're a first-time guest, has embarked on a ministry to tell the whole world about Jesus. If you'll go out into that foyer and you'll look, you'll see the numbers clicking of how many people are coming on the Internet today and are hearing about Jesus from all over the world. You'll also see how many of them are praying a prayer. It's all out there. Go watch it. Technology will show you. When you start out the door, look to the left at the mission booth. Go over there, stand there three minutes, and see what's happening today while you try to find where your car is and where was it located on the basis of, of the freeway, you know. I still have trouble finding mine some Sundays. But, <laughs> but when you come through this entrance, it's Jerusalem, Houston. This one over here is Judea, Texas. This one over here is Samaritan, USA. And that one out there is the uttermost part of the earth. Go look at the murals. Go look at the signs. Jerusalem, Judea, where to read? Houston, Texas, USA. And the uttermost are the ends of the earth. And God's law. And God's word will keep us on God's path. As I close, verse 67, here's what David said. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Listen, it is good for me that I might be afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that you in faithfulness have afflicted me. David got honest about the situation. His whole life had fallen out from under him, but he realized this has happened because God wanted to bring me back to himself that I might be what he put me here to be. And in his most difficult moments, instead of cursing God, he cried out to God. There's nothing breaks my heart more when I see people going through difficult times. And you know what they do? They say, I'm going to quit coming to church. If that's the kind of God I serve, you know, I'll blah, 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 blah. They won't blame the real, the real culprit. They won't blame sin. They blame God and drop out. Listen, you haven't done that. You're here. But you need to understand God wants to deal with you personally. Personally. Verse 25, my soul cleaves unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to your word. Verse 28, my soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to your word. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has quickened me. Verse 82, mine eyes fail you, mine eyes fail for your word, saying, when will you comfort me? Verse 92, unless your law had been my delight, I would have then perished in my affliction. You hear that verse? If your word, unless your word had been my delight, I would have perished. Some of you could say that today. You know what your only hope today to get out of the mess you're in? Is to come to God. Just trust him. He's never failed. Never failed. Never, never failed. Verse 136 of that same chapter. Rivers of water run down from my eyes. As he looked out at his people. He said, the waters come out of my eyes. The tears come out of my, out of my eyes like a waterfall. Why? Because they keep 
not your law. I may get in trouble for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Verse 158 says, I beheld thy, thy, the, the transgressors and was grieved because they kept not your word. Hear me. I'm not going into politics. I'm going into the word. The sanctity of human life is clearly taught in the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. This nation has killed 60 million babies. That's more than the whole population of Canada in the wombs of its mothers. And we're being told by our political leaders it's okay. It's okay that we have a right to do that. You bet a woman's choice starts when she is born. Who she dates, where she goes, what she does, and how she lets her life be the, her body be the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the same thing is true of the men. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. And the way back home is not through politics. It's through the word of God. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin. He'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You don't have to go around with guilt in your life. But we've got to stop that. Marriage was ordained of God before the church was ever formed. It was the first organization. It was the first thing before the home God established his church. His church. I mean, excuse me, he did the church, and, and then the family was established. But here's what he did when he established the family. He said, man, woman, become one for life. For life. It was God's first earthly institution was a home. And then the church came later. We cannot get away from that, folks. I hope you'll pray every day for your country. And I hope every one of you won't be so apathetical that you will not go and vote your convictions. And I hope they'll be on the word of God. Our hope and our future as a nation is wrapped up in our obedience to this book right here. God has blessed us because we have blessed him. When we quit blessing him, there's no reason for him to bless us. And we just fall in with the rest of the world. Get out of mediocrity and rise up, O oh, men and women of God. As we close our service today, there is opportunity ahead as long as we're alive for us to make an impact upon our culture and our world. And the way we will do that is, is with love and concern and compassion and priority Take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. I was down below San Antonio last week. I was talking to a plumber, electrician, and two carpenters. They were from four different cities. I told them I was going to preach in San Antonio. I told them on Tuesday I was going to preach in San Antonio. And I said, I want to give you something I want you to listen to. And I just gave them a copy of the Sagemont story. I said, you can listen to this on your way back home. They came back the next day. Every single one of them said, where is that church in San Antonio? One came from Del Rio, one from Uvalde, uh, another from Comfort, Texas. They said, we've never heard anything like that. They live in Texas, folks. These guys live in Texas. But they heard the story of a church that cares about people. 
and a church where God has a preeminence and where the power of God has fallen in an incredible way. And these big, tough construction people said, one of them picked up the phone, called his wife, said, honey, you're not going to believe this. I'll not tell you his name, but he said, we're going to church Sunday in San Antonio. I'm sure she, honey, you still there? You know, honey, are you still there? <laughs> yes, no, I'm not drinking. No, I'm going to church Sunday. We got to go hear this. That's the reason we do things differently, guest. We're not here just to play church. We're here to try to help you wherever you are in life. And it doesn't matter where you are. The Lord said, whosoever will may come. We're going to open up now the back room directly behind this platform. Uh, or the, by platform, I mean back where the sound and audiovisual people are. Back behind that balcony is a huge room. We're going to open that beautiful lobby, and there's going to be people there to just talk to you. Whatever you're struggling about, we have ways to help you. We want to help you. God will take you right where you are and lead you where he wants you to go. So we're going to open up that, that room. And as we sing this last song in a moment, you're invited to go there. And I realize that some have to leave. They're going to get ready for the children to come to the next hour. And I understand that. So don't let anything distract you as people, as we stand. But if you are here and you want a church home, you're a believer and you're looking for a church home, or you're here and you're struggling in life, you say, I just need somebody to help put all this together for me in just a few moments. If you'll stop in there, you will be loved like maybe you've never been loved before. Would you please stand with me? Our Heavenly Father, as people stand all over this building, we realize that there are here so many folks that have bought in to mediocrity. They just exist from Monday to Friday, and thank God when Friday comes. And they've not found purpose. They've not found real joy. They have found momentary ecstasy but they've not found real joy and real contentment and a life that has great meaning, not only for themselves, but for others. Father, I pray you'll just speak to us now as we close this service, as only you can, individually to us and collectively. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.